WSAPL.com. www.sonicmovie.net Much curiosity was, of course, expressed in regard to the somewhat remarkable fact of Alamus Takeo still remaining alive. I should have thought, observed Mr. Buckingham, that it is high time you were dead. <clears throat> Why? I am little more than 700 years old. My father lived a thousand and was by no means in his dotage when he died. Here ensued a brisk series of questions and computations by means of which it became evident that the antiquity of the mummy had been grossly misjudged. It had been 5,050 years and some months since he had been consigned to the catacombs at Etelethius. My remark had no reference to your age at the period of interment. I'm willing to grant, in fact, that you are still a young man. And, and my allusion was to the immensity of time during which, by your own showing, you must have been done up in asphaltum. In what? In asphaltum. Ah, oh, yes. I have some faint notion of what you mean. It might be made to answer, no doubt, but in my time, we employed scarcely anything else than the bichloride of mercury. But what we are especially at a loss to understand is how it happens that having been dead and buried in Egypt 5,000 years ago, you are here today all alive and looking so delightfully well. <laughs> Had I been, as you say, dead, it is more than probable that dead I should still be. The fact is... I fell into catalepsy, and it was considered by my best friends that I was either dead or should be. They accordingly embalmed me at once. I presume you are aware of the chief principle of the embalming process. Why not altogether? I perceive a deplorable condition of ignorance. Well. I cannot enter into details just now, but it is necessary to explain that to embalm, properly speaking, in Egypt was to arrest indefinitely all the animal functions subjected to in the process. To be brief, in whatever condition the individual was at the period of embalmment, in that condition he remained, as it is my good fortune to be of the blood of the Scarabaeus. I thought, said Mr. Glidden very meekly, that the Scarabaeus was one of the Egyptian gods. One of the Egyptian what? Gods. Mr. Glidden, I'm really, I really am ashamed to hear you talk in this style. No nation upon the face of the earth has ever acknowledged more than one god. The Scarabaeus, the Ibis, etc. were with us as similar creatures have been with us. The symbols or media through which we offered worship to Creator too august to be more directly approached. There was here a pause. At length the colloquy was renewed by Dr. Pananer. The long duration of human life in your time, together with the occasional practice of passing it as you have explained, and installments must have had indeed a strong tendency to the general development and conglomeration of knowledge. I presume, therefore, that we are to attribute the marked 
inferiority to the old Egyptians in our particular science when compared with the moderns and more especially with the Yankees, altogether to the superior solidity of the Egyptian skull. I confess again that I am somewhat at a loss to comprehend you, pray. To what particulars of science do you allude? I asked the Count if his people were able to calculate eclipses. He smiled rather contemptuously and said, Yes, they were. This put me a little out, but I began to make other inquiries in regard to his astronomical knowledge. When a member of the company, who had never as yet opened his mouth, whispered in my ear for information on this head, I had better consult Ptolemy, whoever Ptolemy is, as well as one Plutarch de Facia Luna. I then questioned the mummy about burning glasses and lenses, and in general about the manufacture of glass. But I had not made an end to my queries before the silent member again touched me quietly on the elbow and begged me, For God's sake, take a peep at Diodorus Siculus. Little Dr. Poninaire committed himself in a very extraordinary way. Look at our architecture. Look, look at the Bowling Green Fountain in New York. Or if this to be too vast of contemplation, regard for a moment the Capitol at Washington, D.C. I regret not being able to remember just at this moment the precise dimensions of the one of the principal buildings of the city of Aznak, whose foundations were laid in the night of time, but the ruins of which were still standing at the epoch of my entombment in a vast plain of sand to the westward of Thebes. I recollect, however, talking of porticos, that one affixed to an inferior palace in a kind of suburb called Karnak consisted of a hundred and forty-four columns, thirty-seven feet each in circumference, and twenty-five feet apart. The approach to this portico from the Nile was through an avenue two miles long, composed of sphinxes, statues, and obelisks, twenty, sixty, and a hundred feet in height. The palace itself, as well as I can remember, was in one direction two miles long, and might have been altogether about seven in circuit. Its walls were richly painted all over, within and without with hieroglyphics. I, I would not pretend to assert that even 50 or 60 of the doctor's capitals might have been built within these walls, but I am by no means sure that two or 300 of them might not have been squeezed in with some trouble. That palace at Karnak was an insignificant little building after all. I here asked the Count what he had to say to our railroads. Nothing. Nothing in particular. They are rather slight, rather ill-conceived and clumsily put together. They could not be compared, of course, with the vast, level, direct, iron-groove causeways upon which the Egyptians conveyed entire temples in solid obelisk of 158 feet in altitude. I spoke of our gigantic mechanical forces. I agree that you know something in that way, but... How should you have gone to work in getting up the impulse of the lintels of even the little palace at Karnak? This question I concluded not to hear and demanded, do you have any idea of artesian wells? But he simply raised his eyebrows, while Mr. Glidden winked at me very hard and said in a low tone that one had been recently discovered by the engineers employed to bore for water in the Great Oasis. What about our steel? But the foreigner elevated his nose and asked me, could your steel have executed the sharp curved work seen on the obelisk in which 
was wrought all together by edge tools of copper. WSAPL.com www.sonicmovie.net